Um, we're going to hand over to Philippa now, Great. who's going to lead us in our words. Can I say a prayer for you? Yeah, I'd love that. Thanks. Here we go. So, Father God, we thank you for Philippa. We thank you for this word that she has for us. Open our hearts to hear, God, our ears to hear, what all that you have for us. Yeah. In your name, amen. 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 Wonderful. Well, we are in the middle of our Tell series. Uh, We've been journeying together over the last few weeks as we've been exploring um, the idea of evangelism, really. We've been thinking together, what does it mean to be people who boldly share what it looks like to be people who follow Jesus um, and who commit to being people who tell, tell the good story of what is going on. Um, And, you know, we've been thinking about that together over the last few weeks. We started off by thinking about God's story, God's unraveling story that each one of us, having come to know Jesus, is part of. We are part of this whole unraveling story, which began right back at the beginning of creation and still is unfolding today that we are all part of. And then we thought a little bit together about God's mission. God is already on a mission, whether or not we're part of it. But God is, in his graciousness, invites us in to be part of his mission. And the mission that he is on is to draw people back to himself. And we get to be part of that mission and we're invited to be part of it. And it's ongoing. Uh, And then last week, Timmy spoke to us about transformation reminding us that Jesus is ongoingly transforming each one of us and has transformed us and that he wants to transform other people too. And those stories of transformation that each of us have, that each of us holds, those of us who follow Jesus, are the most powerful way of speaking to others about the effect of Jesus, you know, the way that following Jesus changes us and transforms us. And so today I wanted to kind of dig into that maybe a little bit further by helping us to explore the idea of relationship and conversation as a context for sharing about Jesus. We know, don't we, by looking at the world, that friendship is a very effective marketing strategy. Friendship is a very effective marketing strategy. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that evangelism is marketing, okay? Let's not conflate those two things. But friendship, when we look at the world, we can see is a very effective marketing strategy. And the reason why I say that is because each of us know that we may have seen an advert for something a hundred times, 3,000 times on the TV or whatever. But when our friend recommends it to us, all of a sudden we begin to consider, oh, maybe I'll purchase that item. Friendship is a very effective marketing strategy. And companies and organizations have clocked onto this, haven't they? They've noticed that there is nothing more persuasive than a personal recommendation. And we know that that's true. And the money that used to, back in the day, go into multi-million pound adverts, you remember those adverts that were like, viral adverts that before viral was a thing you know there'd be like adverts that everyone was talking about that were really clever or really funny or really creative and millions and millions of pounds were being poured into these adverts you don't see that so much anymore because now that money goes into 
people talking online about these products and showing how they use them every day in their everyday lives. And we know that to be true, don't we? You know, if we're on social media, we know that there are people, many people, who call themselves influencers or maybe don't call themselves influencers, but people who are being paid to share their lives online and share the particular products that they're being paid to share. I'm going to ask for a confession moment. How many people have bought something as a result of an Instagram hashtag ad? Love it. Come on. I think there's more in the room, but I love the honesty of those whose hands went up. I can definitely say that I am one of them too. Uh, It works, doesn't it? It works because even though we know deep down that the people that we follow online, a lot of them are strangers, a lot of them are people who we don't know, we feel like we do know them. Like we feel like we have a relationship with them a little bit because they share parts of their lives with us. And therefore we feel like we know them and therefore they know us. Even though we know that that makes no sense, that's kind of how we feel on social media. And so when we get what we then feel like is a personal recommendation, it's really effective because we can see what kind of person might use that product and we can decide whether or not we're that type of person too. And if they're a particularly maybe attractive or organized or whatever it is that we want to become person, we're more inclined to potentially want to purchase that product. Now, evangelism, like I said, evangelism is not marketing. So even though influencers with millions and millions of followers might be a very, very efficient marketing tool, it might not be the best tool for sharing about about Jesus. But the heart behind that, the heart behind this whole thing of sharing what you recommend is something to explore. It's something to dig into, isn't it? These personal recommendations, a chance for people to see what it looks like to be a person who follows Jesus might be a very effective way of people coming to know Jesus for themselves. People might be asking the question, what kind of a person is it who follows Jesus? What sort of a person is it? What, like, what do they look like? Or maybe they've seen lots in the media about what it looks like to be part of the church or what it looks like to be part of the Christian faith. And they think, I don't really want to have anything to do with that. But there is great power in knowing an individual person who is a Christian because people can begin to ask the question, What does it look like to be a person who follows Jesus? And there are examples, practical examples, of friends and neighbours who know him. And hopefully that is much more appealing than maybe what people generically read about in the media. So I wanted to uh, quickly touch on a couple of things. And these are things that, the ways that kind of Jesus did this stuff. Their conversations and relationships. So the first thing is conversation. And I wanted to base this around uh, John chapter 4. And this is where Jesus talks with a Samaritan woman. I'm going to read us little bits of it. So now Jesus had to go through Samaria. This is John chapter 4. Starting at verse 4. 
So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well, and it was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? And his disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't keep having to come here to draw water. And he told her, go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. And Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands and the man you have now is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we worship is Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. You've probably heard this story before. It's a very famous like, interaction that Jesus has had with this woman. He's out in the middle of the day in the heat when most people are not out. And he's coming to look for a drink of water, or at least that's his pretense for why he's there. Um, it's sort of like the ultimate water cooler moment. The wa- a water cooler moment isn't really a thing anymore, is it? Because like everyone works from home. Um, and I think that's actually a really important point for us, uh, which maybe I'll get to. Um, but Jesus is kind of hanging around by this well, and he comes across this woman who's coming to draw water at a time when he, she knows no one else is going to be there um, because she is living in shame. And Jesus has this incredible conversation with her, this incredible practical conversation where they're talking about drawing water, a very normal kind of chit-chat day-to-day conversation, which then he turns into more of a like, theological conversation about living water and what it would look like to never thirst again, using that as a metaphor. And then he speaks directly into her life and calls out what he can see in her and what the Spirit has led him to understand about her. And he, lead, he leads her to understand more of who he is, of who God is, and what it might look like for her to follow him. 
So off you go to have those conversations with everyone, please, uh, is what I'm trying to say. Now, I think this is an incredible example of what Jesus is showing us about what it looks like to boldly have conversation with people kind of out and about in the world, both people we know and people who we just come across in daily life. One of the things I absolutely love about the Gospels, one of the things I love about the character of Jesus in, that we read in the Gospels is how like, in, interruptible he is. You know, Just when the disciples think that they've kind of grasped what it is that Jesus is doing, they've grasped the mission that he's on and they're off to follow him, um, he's off somewhere else and he's waiting to have a conversation with somebody and it's unexpected and Jesus is waiting to be interrupted by someone. And I wonder for each of us what it would look like to prepare ourselves to be people who are interruptible. I don't know about you, but I am like often rushing from one thing to the next thing to the next thing. You know, I've got kind of back-to-back meetings, or I'm heading here, or I'm off there, or I'm going to meet that person, or I'm sending emails whilst I'm on the way. You know, we, we lead busy lives, a lot of us. Or maybe we spend a lot of our time at home in front of a computer, like having Zoom calls or Teams calls or whatever it is that we might have. What would it look like in your life to be a person who is interruptible, who is prepared to wait for the moments to have these conversations that pop up seemingly out of nowhere? And what would it look like for each of us to actually be ready to have those conversations? I've been following um, this guy on Instagram who his mission, it's called uh, Same Time Every Day. And his mission is to go into a restaurant or a cafe or whatever and for the people behind the counter to say to him, oh, the usual so they'll, he's trying to get them to know what his order is. So he goes into the same place at the same time every day um, to try and get himself remembered, to try and get his uh, order to be remembered by the people behind the counter. And it's really fascinating to follow. Um, so I, I'm not going to recommend Instagram follows, but he's a good one. Um, but the reason why it's really interesting is because as he's been going along trying to get these people to remember him, he's noticed that if he just goes into the shop and uh, just says, oh, I'll have a hamburger and a strawberry milkshake, please, um, he can do that day after day after day, but it'll take a very long time for people to remember his order. You know, maybe a couple of weeks before someone might be like, oh, this guy's in here every day ordering the same thing. And so what he started to do is straight off the bat, day one, he asks the server's name, he asks them uh, where they're from, how long they've been working there, he engages them in conversation, he asks them what's good on the menu. You know, he just does general, like, chit-chat. It's nothing uh, profound. He's just trying to get himself remembered, uh, if you like. And it's really, really effective. He's realized that the more he kind of gets his name known and uh, chats to people and gets to know the names of the people, the quicker it is that they say, oh, yeah, I know what your order is, and they give it to him. Uh, and then he moves on to the next place and he tries to do it somewhere else. I want, and, and it's kind of inspiring to me um, because it, it sort of reminds me every time I see him do it that um, I'm very quick in my interactions and especially... Us, those of us who are British in the room, we're so quick in our interactions, aren't we? You know, like if you go to, maybe if you go to the US, there's much more of a kind of like, hey, how are you? How's your day going? Kind of thing going on. Uh, I don't know. I have never been to the US, but I'm just making assumptions. <laughs> but 
Oh my goodness, in the UK, it's not like that, is it? it you you kind of go in and you say, uh, latte, please. And they go, mm. and they make the latte. And then you have to go to the other end of the desk to go get it. And then you go. And that's it. The whole interaction was like two two words and maybe if like the first time your payment didn't go through maybe you get a bit more into but like there's nothing um what would it look like for us to be people who commit to having simple friendly interactions with people out and about in the world you know when we're ordering our coffee when we're sitting on the bus you know what would it look like for us to take advantage of the fact that we have opportunities all day every day to have conversation with people and not that we need to have conversation with people so that we are remembered but what would it look like for us to have conversation with people so that Jesus is remembered? And I'm not even talking about like shoehorning Jesus into the conversation. I'm talking about just friendly, general interactions with people that help us to begin to have conversation with people in the world. Begin to strike up conversation. And the reason why I say that is because I think a lot of us, you know, need to be intentional about seeking those things out now maybe 20 years ago there was much more of like bumping into each other around and about chatting in shops kind of thing but we you know I don't know about you but I like I do my grocery shopping online I buy everything that I need online things just get delivered to my house and I very and often get delivered to my neighbor so I don't even have to talk to the delivery guy you know like so much of the natural chat in the world has kind of been reduced and a lot of us work from home so we don't even have that kind of chat moment with colleagues and for all of us I'm going to come on to speaking about relationships in a minute but for all of us we need to think about where are our interactions with people from outside the church where are our interactions with people who are just in the world who don't know Jesus yet because maybe those interactions are really really reduced and we haven't realized it But Jesus was incredible at being interruptible. So let me challenge you today to seek out those opportunities to be interrupted. And to be prepared to strike up conversation with people. I know the introverts in the room are like, oh no, about that. Um, So it's fine. On your level, the Lord knows you and has made you. Um, Don't feel guilt about that. But what would it look like for us to be people who show genuine interest in others in the world and strike up conversation with them? Because I do wonder whether if we begin to create those opportunities, whether there then are more moments than we realize to do exactly what Jesus did in his interaction with the Samaritan woman. You know, to take it from small talk, chat, into what does this say about God, chat into what is the spirit saying about you because each of us you know if we follow Jesus the Holy Spirit lives inside us and we can learn to be people who listen and to discern what the spirit is saying so it might be miraculously that you have a conversation with a colleague and it might be that the spirit is sort of quietly whispering to you um, that there is something going on in their life that you didn't know about but the spirit is just letting you know about they may not the spirit may not give you any details but may just give you a sense like oh I don't think this person is is okay or I think this person is struggling with x y and z or um or I think something's just happened to them that they um, are struggling with but aren't saying anything 
We can really trust the Spirit to let us know these things as we have interactions with people. And it is incredibly powerful if you then say to somebody, oh, hey, I wonder if you've got this going on. Like, don't worry if I'm wrong, but I just kind of sensed that that was going on. Um, If it's wrong, then the person kind of goes, no. And then that's that conversation over and nobody dies. Um, But if, if it is the Spirit speaking to you and you say to the person, oh, hey, like, Sorry if I'm wrong about this, but um, have you, are you struggling with grief? Has somebody recently died? Are you uh, struggling with that? And, and they are. How powerful that is. And what an opportunity that is for each of us to then say, well, like, I believe that God can speak into those situations. These are just simple interactions that I'm talking about that can become really incredible spirit interactions if we allow them to. And I'd love it when we um, come to pray and worship together. If we could pray for just boldness and discernment in that. An opportunity for each of us to kind of look out for that, those moments um, and go for them. And go for it. What, what would it look like? So that's conversations. We need to be looking out for opportunities to have conversations with people. And then we need to be prepared to go from chit-chat to God-chat to spirit saying stuff about your life chat and then secondly relationships a little bit like what I said before it's easy for people to feel very distant from the idea of what a Christian is or not distant they might feel like they have a really good idea of what a Christian is and they want absolutely nothing to do with it but Around your kitchen table eating brunch or in a coffee shop or out on a walk with you or at the gym or whatever it is that we do out in the world with other people, it's much more difficult for people to distance themselves from faith to say, oh no, that's not for me because they see it in you, the person that they know and love and respect. I'm talking about people that we're friends and neighbours and colleagues with here. You know, it's much more difficult for people to distance themselves from it because everything that they've got in their mind about what it is to follow Jesus can be shattered if we're kind and loving and gracious to people, which I know everyone in this room is, if we invite people to come and join us at our kitchen table and eat with us and hang out with us, it's then difficult for people to say, oh no, Christians are like this because they've seen you and they know what you're like and they know you and they love you and they've eaten brunch with you. And this is the way that Jesus kind of interacted. You know, Jesus had this whole gang of disciples who followed him around, who were close to him and kind of did life with him. And he had others too, you know, Mary and Martha and Lazarus Lazarus and others who he was mates with. You know, people who he spent a good chunk of his time with and who he committed to. Now, some of them, you know, he was discipling. A lot of them were kind of walking closely with him as rabbi. But a lot of them were kind of hanging around with him as friends, and inviting him to join them for dinner. And he was hanging out in all sorts of different places. And I suppose what I want to encourage you with today, which probably is something that I shouldn't say, but I am going to say, um, is don't invite people to church. Please just invite people to dinner. 
please just invite people for coffee or to have brunch or to come into your home or to come and watch whatever it is you're watching together on the TV or whatever, whatever you're doing in your life. Just please invite people to come and be part of it. And then invite them to understand a little bit more about what it looks like to follow Jesus for you in your life. Because, you know, you can invite people to church and please do do that, really. Uh, you can invite people to church and, and I can tell them about Jesus or Gareth can or Mark or whoever's preaching that day can tell them about Jesus. And that is important and that is effective. And I don't get me wrong. It's my great privilege to do that. But I'm not a professional Christian just because I'm up here. Each of us, you know, the wisdom is in the room. Each of us who follow Jesus have an opportunity to open that invitation to other people. And it's really not complicated. It looks like hospitality. It looks like welcoming people into your home. Or maybe you live with housemates and welcoming people into your home isn't the way. So maybe it's in the coffee shop or uh, shopping at Westfield or whatever it is. Whatever it is that you do. I want to encourage us this morning that I feel like God, and the reason why we're kind of doing this whole series, I feel like God is calling us into this new season of boldness in him, boldness to tell other people about him. And I'm not talking about standing on street corners and doing that, although maybe that's some of our calling, maybe. I'm not talking about knocking on doors. I'm talking about people in your life who you've known for years. Maybe people who are in your family. Maybe your colleagues, you know, friends that you have. What would it look like for us, each of us, to commit? A bit like what uh, Timmy was saying last week, you know, about that list of 10 people. What would it look like if you had your list of 10 people from last week who you're committing to pray for? What would it look like for you to say, and I'm going to commit to invite them around for dinner in the next six months because I know how diarising things get. But what would it look like? I'm going to get every person on that list. I'm going to get them around for dinner in the next six months. And when they come for dinner, I'm going to tell them a little bit about what Jesus has been doing in my life recently. I'm not going to preach to them. I'm not going to tell them that they need to convert. I'm not going to use that kind of language. But I am going to be honest with my friend and say to them, hey, I'm a Christian. I'm a person that follows Jesus. And I want to let you know that he has transformed me in a way that I can't explain in any other way. I would love it if each of us was bold enough to do that. And I really believe that that is what God is calling us to do. Maybe the band want to come up and join me. God is calling each of us in this series as we've been doing this tell thing to step into a season of boldness in him. And the reason, by the way, is not because we need to grow the church. We don't evangelize out of a panic that the church is dying. We tell people about Jesus because he's good, he's transformed our lives, and we want him to transform others' lives too. Is that right? We don't need to evangelize out of a panic that the church is dying. We need to evangelize, we need to tell people about the good news of the gospel. Because God is on a mission, and his mission is to draw everybody back to himself, back to his love, back into his open arms that they might be transformed more into the likeness of his son, like we are being, and be filled with his spirit. 
So can I invite you to stand? We're going to spend some time in worship together now. But before we come to sing, why don't we just spend a moment just waiting on him, just asking the Holy Spirit to come and fill us. And let's just bring before the Lord now just a name of someone that you've been praying for or thinking of, maybe someone who's on your list. If you made a list from what Timmy was saying last week, and this isn't about targeting, this is about committing to sharing things that are good with our friends things that are good with our colleagues and our neighbours and those around us. So if there's a name of somebody who you've been praying for or thinking of, let's just hand that name over to the Lord. I'm sure you have before and you will again. And Holy Spirit, would you come and fill us, we pray. Because all of this stuff is really easy to talk about in theory, but really hard to put into practice. There's so many barriers that stop us from those simple invitations, those, that simple honesty with our friends. But Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just do away with those barriers for us. I pray that you would just give us boldness and courage where we feel like we lack it. Just wait on him a moment. I feel like some of us in the room are worried that if we sort of open up that conversation with that person or those people who we're thinking of, that it'll like open a floodgate and we won't know like how to answer their questions or we won't know how to lead them to Jesus. We just won't know. We'll just feel out of our depth. The Holy Spirit is, is here to fill us and enable us and encourage us. So why don't we just let him do that? Holy Spirit, come. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, this is a, a mission that we get the privilege of joining in with, not a box that we need to tick. So if there's any feelings of like guilt or 
shame. Just give those over to the Lord. They're not of him. He doesn't guilt us into evangelism. He loves us into friendship. So we thank you, Lord. Just keep waiting on him a moment longer. Yeah, I just really felt like um, some of us need reminding that God's the great kind of converter of uh, even our own approach to things. Um, you know, in, in Isaiah 61, it says that he gives beauty instead of ashes, oil of gladness instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a faint spirit. And I just felt for some of us that God literally wants to flip what has been a fearful thing into a joyful thing Uh, and for some of you in particular it's about understanding that you are not in a position where uh, like you need others necessarily uh, but where they need you and I feel like I could I felt like I could see a few people who were individuals and they were scared of a group because they really wanted to be part of that group and they were so fearful of being rejected by that group. And I certainly experienced that as a, as a teenager. And, and God is amazing at, at allowing us to realize that we're the very person that he wants to bless that group with. And it comes out of not that group saying, we need you, but out of you understanding that God is saying, uh, they need you. Uh, so I just want to encourage you. God is the one who flips fear into joy. Um, and wants to do that for some of us this morning. Yeah, if that, we're going to worship together now, but if, that is, if that's you, or that kind of fear, you'd like someone to stand with you in prayer for that kind of fear or what Mark was talking about, or if you would like to be filled with the spirit of, of boldness to make that invitation, there's someone in mind and you're feeling that kind of like oh, nervous sense of I need the Holy Spirit to help me with this because I know he's calling me but I don't know if I can do it. Can I just ask you as we worship just to come down to the front um, and prayer team, if you are ready, we'd love you to come too um, and we want to we pray for you um, and we want to pray for all of us, don't we? So um, if, you, uh, if that's you, why don't you come? Um, We're going to pray for you and we're going to sing together. Uh, Prayer team, why don't you come now? And we're going to sing together. Holy Spirit, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your mercy. Would you come and give us boldness, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's sing together. And do just come forward if you'd like to be prayed for. And we would love to pray for you.